This is the sermon podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 11.15 a.m. This is Lord of Life. There's a place for you here. For information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. The first reading is from Isaiah chapter 9. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest. As people exult when dividing plunder for the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. You have broken as on the day of Midian, for all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, his authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his king kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onwards and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The second reading is from Titus chapter 2. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all, training us to renounce empathy and worldly passion, and in the present age to live, to live lives that are self-controlled, upright, and godly, while we wait for the blessed hope in the manifestation of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He it is who gave himself for us that he might redeem us for all iniquity and purify for himself a people of his own who are zealous for good deeds. I invite you to remain seated for the gospel, which comes tonight from Luke, Luke's account of the birth of Christ. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. At this point in the gospel, we have a tradition here of putting the baby Jesus in the manger But before we can do that, like those wise men who set out, we got to first find that baby Jesus. 
And so I invite the children in the congregation to get up and look around and see if you can find that baby. It's got to be around here somewhere. Don't neglect the two ends. It could be anywhere. <laughs> All right, bring the baby up. <laughs> you want to go ahead and put it in the manger? Hi, Rosie. Can you put the baby in there? <laughs> all right, let's all, let's all gather around here, and we'll keep going with the gospel story. Did you all bring your flashlights? Those are going to be handy things to have. Does anyone not have a flashlight who needs one? You need one? You need one? Do you need a flashlight? Alan, do we have a few extra flashlights back there? There we go. Who, if anyone needs a flashlight, Alan has them here. Now, in that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. I suppose that flashlights will have to do for the glory of the Lord. Why don't you turn your flashlights on? You can wave those around a bit. There we go. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, and this is your part. Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. Well, you guys got the right idea anyway. All right, you get a second chance with those flashlights. Are you ready? And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about the child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Now you get to be shepherds and you get to return. <laughs> you can go back to your seats. I didn't forget about you. I knew you were back there. Well, Merry Christmas. This has become one of the biggest 
days in the church calendar. Arguably, it's become the biggest day in the church calendar. And so it might not, or it might be surprising for that matter, to know that for a long time they had absolutely no idea when to put Christmas. For the first few centuries of the church, they tried different dates, different communities, thought maybe Christ had been born at different times. And it really wasn't until relatively late that they decided on December 25th. Now, March 25th, that date was already decided on very early in the church in church history as the date of the Annunciation, the date when the angel came to Mary and said, you are going to have a son. And so March 25th was the day they looked to for the conception of Christ. And as far as they were concerned, that was the incarnation. Because let's face it, something was going on with Mary Something was in there kicking her in the ribs. Something was in there making her uncomfortable. And the date of December 25th was chosen mainly because it was just nine months after March 25th. They figured that would be a good time for a baby to be born. But it also happened to fall on the day of the Roman winter solstice. Over time, calendars have been pushed and pulled. Months and days have been lost and gained. But at that time, December 25th was the winter solstice. And so the date chosen for the birth of Jesus was the darkest of the year. And somehow... Although there's always good reason for these things, I can't help but think that it was a beautiful coincidence. That it was a blessed thing that the birth of Christ ended up on that day. On March 25th, they celebrated not only the conception of Jesus, they celebrated, they they maintained that God had created the world on March 25th. They maintained that Christ, who was there with him at creation, also began the recreation of the world in Christ's conception. They also held that Christ died on March 25th, along with some various other sundry things. I think uh, uh, Abel got killed by Cain on March 25th. Uh, I think um, Isaac was offered by Abraham on March 25th. Everything got bunched on the March 25th. The only thing we get on December 25th is the birth of this child. All we get on December 25th is the child who becomes visible to us. Because the birth of Jesus ended up being on that winter solstice, Early Christians joyfully and wantonly seized on the similarity of the word son, S-U-N, and son, S-O-N. 
And they took every opportunity to mix them up and play with their meaning. And that winter solstice became a, an analogy for what it was that they were looking for. Because Christ had come to restore the world. Christ had come to bring light to the lost. Christ had come to raise the dead back to life. Christ had come, in short, to do all these things that the Son did. And at that time of year, they could feel it in their bones how much they needed that sun, that S-U-N, sun. They needed that warmth. They needed that life. And so there, in the coldest and darkest part of the year, they celebrated the return of the sun. Unto us a son is born, unto us a child is given. And yet, it's so hard to see at this time of year. We almost receive it just in theory. We're told that from here on out the days start getting longer, and yet it seems like they get a lot shorter and colder before they start getting longer. But they saw the birth of Christ as that glow, that first faint glow on the horizon. They saw it as the first vague promise of something wonderful to come. And so they sang hymns of praise to God and to the Son And they even went so far as to appropriate the images of the sun that were already current. They took Helios, the sun god, and they depicted him as Christ. They took Sol Invictus, the unconquered sun, and gave him a nimbus that looked like the cross. Although they were not maybe conversant with the science that we have now, they understood that the sun was what drove the world. They understood that it was the sun that warmed things. They understood it was the energy of the sun that brought life into being. They understood that it was the sun that allowed them to see and to farm and to do all the things that they needed for life. And yet somehow it was not diminished for all of that energy, for all of that life pouring out of it. It was not diminished. That's one of the wonderful things about fire, that you can take a candle and light it off another one and the flame is not diminished. And you can light another, and another, and another, and yet the flames are not diminished. They only grow. 
As we come to the end of this service, we will be lighting candles. And, doing that, and in doing so, we will remember that first faint flickering of light that they saw in the face of that child born in the usual way, a child unremarkable except for the voice of prophecy, except for the weight of hope, except for the trust in God that they saw coming to fruition there. By the Jewish way of accounting years and days, the day does not begin with the coming up of the sun. The day begins at sunset with the first visible star, the day star. And so when we each light a candle, we in effect become that day star. Each of us offering up one more light and it is my prayer for you that as you go out tonight, in your heart, if not in your hand, you will take that light with you. And let others light their candles from yours. Let others find light from you until the heavens become ablaze with those stars. Until finally, as we hear in the book of Revelation, there will be no more telling the night from the day because the light will have come. The kingdom of God will have dawned in all of its glory. Amen.